chapters thirty one and thirty two of the long long trail by max brand this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirty one between the dusk and the dark of this night a lone horseman halted on a cattle path which led to lowlands and in the midst of the hollow was a broad low barn even by that uncertain light the traveller could see that one end of the structure had fallen in he shook out a white strip of cloth which he had kept in his pocket until this time he tied the rag around his left arm close to the shoulder peered about him as though he feared this simple action might have been seen and rode his horse to the barn it was a gingerly progress coming a little closer he saw that a faint light was burning in the barn it made the structure seem huger than before and vastly more ruinous at this discovery he checked his horse completely and studied the place at length as though summoning his resolution he pulled his sombrero so low that it quite covered the upper part of his face and raised the flap of his neckerchief so that it equally concealed his mouth and chin this done he pushed on briskly not until he had dismounted before the great door of the barn did his former diffidence return he slipped to the door and pressed his ear against a crack but he could hear nothing finally he knocked in a peculiar manner twice close together a pause and then three short raps with this the big door was seen to move slowly a voice said softly from within who's there in need the first man started a friend in need he said in a low and hurried voice and your name gus norman come in and bring the hoss he now pushed the door wide open so that gus norman could see far in the interior of the huge empty mow of the building a scattered group of men and their horses around a single lantern gus norman went in leading his horse and looked sharply at the doorman the latter was similarly disguised by means of a lowered hat and raised neckcloth but now he lifted his hat for a moment sam said gus norman then what's up but the doorman made a gesture commanding silence and gus went on toward the group they were equipped like him each with mask-like neckcloth and each with the strip of white cloth around the left arm close to the shoulder none of them seemed eager to stand close to the lantern but each had drawn back beside his horse so that he was wrapped in the shadows as with a cloak there was a general turning of heads toward the newcomer but no one spoke and gus norman seemed as undesirous of having the others know his face as he was eager to learn their own he paused at a considerable distance from the lantern and leaned silently against the shoulder of his horse there were twenty men present so far as he could count and each was armed to the teeth now and then one of them spoke softly to a restive horse but these deep murmurs only accentuated the common silence presently after an intermission of some five or ten minutes another horseman advanced from the door leading his mount and this time the doorman sam norman came with the last arrival he went gravely to the middle of the empty space from which the lantern light had driven the others and he looked from side to side i've counted as you come in he said and there's no one left out every norman that's old enough to carry a gun and shoot from a hoss is here he kept his voice so low that there was a general cautious approach from all sides to hear him 
now he said i've done my duty i've kept the door that i was called on to keep and him that's to speak next according to custom let him step out the man that called this meeting of the family he waited turning slowly from side to side but no one stirred finally a voice called guarded from the rear circle the leader can't speak till the roll is called call the roll doorman right and sam norman nodded he closed his eyes as if to summon the list into his mind and then began calling the names first names only one by one there was a deep murmur of here from the listeners when this was finished the doorman paused again and looked expectantly about but still no one spoke or moved brothers said sam norman him that called this meeting has got to stand out fifteen years has gone since the last meeting was called by these signs and they's come here that knows the signs but never seen a meeting before and i've been hopin that they would never come such a meeting as long as i lived him that called us let him talk now still only the heavy silence prevailed there was a restless movement then a murmur through the circle someone may have known the signs and called us for a joke brother said the doorman sternly him that made that joke'll never make another still him that called the meeting is wrong because the law stands that they was never to be another called until a norman was killed by wrong that law was made while we was still livin in kentucky before some o you was born and they ain't any norman been killed by numbers or by wrong since we come to the west rememberin all that let him that called the meeting stand out and say why he called it so intently had the circle attended these words that no one noticed near the beginning of the speech that the big door of the barn had been softly opened and another member had come in but now this stranger approached leading a horse the figure was in every respect like those of the others but there was a general murmur a general movement of weapons at its approach sam norman went further than the rest he whipped out a revolver and went a few steps to meet the newcomer who's there he called a friend in need answered the other faintly halt friend the number's been counted and it's full up and every face has been seen by me halt i say for the other abandoning the horse had refused to halt and had come straight on a slender short figure of boyish outline and now in the immediate circle of the lantern light the hat was snatched off and hair tumbled across the shoulders of a girl the neckerchief was lowered and the circle found itself looking into the face of may norman her father uttered an exclamation of dismay that law said the girl was spoke wrong the meeting can be called for any norman that's killed by wrong and it can be called for any man that dies for the normans and that's why this meeting is here that's why the signs was sent there's a man dead brothers she was a pale round-faced girl all her features diminutive except the mouth and chin her tone was a disagreeably harsh nasal neither in voice nor in face was she attractive but there was an air of such dignity about her and the raising of her hand was so solemn that for a moment no one replied then from her father what man is dead what man is dead she cried turning fiercely on him do you stand there and ask me that well speak up gus norman you tell him what man is dead that died for us gus norman stirred advanced a step then shook his head 
at that she cried out it's jud boone that's dead fightin for our cause i was the price that bought him to fight for us you know that dad the rest of you know it he fought and died and i seen him put in the ground i waited while you was trailin him but when i seen you all stop the trail i called this meeting it's my right because i'm the one that was most hurt by a killing now i call for the law of the family to help me she swayed them with her vehemence yet her own father said he died but he was killed in a fair fight does that change it she answered hotly if he was one of us and fought his own fight it would be different but he wasn't one of us he fought our fight where was you all when a man was wanted to face charlie valentine you wasn't home you was away they wasn't nobody would do it then you went out and got a better man than you you got jud boone and jud come and fought your fight and done what was asked of him and now he's dead he's dead and i'm here calling to you and saying i want a death for a death her shrill voice filled the great spaces of the barn and in the pause while the echo whispered back from distant recesses she added i want jess drear every man stood with his head bowed thoughtful at length gus norman came forward and stood beside the girl she's right he said gloomily turning his hairy wolfish face from man to man it means a feud maybe and maybe it don't drear is an outlaw we got a right to hunt him and may is right come in brothers we need your heads all of em step in and show your faces this ain't work that'll be done to-night but the plans for it has got to be laid sam you're the doorman take charge without a word the circle closed and the hats were raised the neckerchief flaps lowered from mouth and chin many a time in the past there had been gatherings such as these in the hills of kentucky the same dark lean faces the same bright eyes and savage mouths the tie of blood was law to them a deathless fealty to one another a suspicion of all strangers each as he came into the circle of the lantern light took the hand of may norman and spoke the solemn formula your cause is my cause my hand is your hand and the younger men spoke the phrase eagerly something they had learned and spoken in whispers before but all the older men who had one time spoken the phrase aloud were grave and downhearted chapter thirty two sheriff claney had one virtue worth ten ordinary qualities this virtue was that he hated his enemies with a truly old testament virulence personal hatred indeed for another man had been the reason that he first sought election as sheriff and once in office he had very cleverly so arranged it that his personal enemy was found to be an offender of the law whereupon an arrest was made resisted and the sheriff in the exercise of his legal functions had shot the other squarely between the eyes and washed his hands of the old grievance for the sheriff improved on the word of the scripture instead of tooth for tooth he was apt to extract two but claney loved his labours and loved his office he loved to watch the face of a man upon whose shoulder the heavy hand of the law had fallen whether the fellows were defiant sullen pitiful venomous or despairing the sheriff found a part of his palate which could relish any and all of these moods so had he been continued in his office 
he was known to be fairly courageous very deft with a gun and very free in the use of it and indefatigable in the pursuit of his duties never before had salt springs enjoyed the ministrations of a man who seemed in love with his work he was elected he was re-elected the men of salt springs were fond of showing off the industry of their sheriff compared with the sheriffs of neighboring counties but all this changed it was not that a prisoner had escaped not at all salt springs was even rather glad that jess drear was not to hang but salt springs saw itself in the role of a town that has talked too soon and boasted too often the invincible jail of which they had so often vaunted had been treated as a mule would treat a paper barn holes had been kicked in it locks had been magically opened and a man under special guard had been whisked away from beneath the noses of the sawed-off shotguns from the first this thing was not pleasant it became more distinctly annoying when men from neighboring villages drifted in in the course of the next few days and dropped random remarks such as offers of a loan so that salt springs could build a really effective jail and offers of the loan of a man who would make a real sheriff this was putting the burr under the saddle and salt springs began to buck every time it came down out of the air with bunched feet and humped back it jolted on the thought of sheriff claney the man who had been tied hand and foot by a prisoner and turned into a joke moreover other murmurs were added to the rising tide men who had been wrongfully accused of various crimes came out with dark testimonies of the third degree harshly applied by the sheriff in fact things reached such a point that in carroll's saloon a man in the heat of liquor suggested that they tie the feet of the sheriff under the belly of a bucking horse and send him out to explore regions unknown others advocated a ride upon a rail to give him a new start in life but though these proposals never got past the stage of talk one and all agreed that strangers in salt springs would never lack subject of conversation as long as sheriff claney was in office and to make matters worse his new term was but newly begun friends called on the sheriff and suggested that he resign and go elsewhere to places where his undoubted talents could be employed and appreciated but they did not know the sheriff it was not that he wished to restore the affection of salt springs he hated and despised them all but he wanted to teach them to fear him again he knew they were laughing at him and writhing because strangers joined in the mirth it was dust and ashes upon the head of claney every day he bowed his heart in prayer that some gigantic crime would wipe out nine-tenths of salt springs so that he could demonstrate his efficiency to the remaining one-tenth his dreams at night were filled with prodigies of shooting and he walked the streets of the town hounding every man he met with the hungry eye that dared the other to smile and no one smiled a man who is drunk is dangerous a man who is justly enraged will keep a whole town indoors but a man who has been shamed is a devil incarnate so he remained in salt springs tormented by a dearth of crime and burned away to a shadow by his shame and his hate gus norman entering the office in the jail one day found claney sitting bowed at his desk with his head buried on his arms and his fingers sunk in his hair gus norman was not a fool 
he retreated on tiptoe and when he came again he was whistling discordantly but in great volume this time he found the sheriff seated with hair neatly smoothed rolling a cigarette he finished licking and lighting the cigarette before he spoke he wanted to know just what brought a man that ought to be honest to the jail it was not a diplomatic opening to a prominent citizen but the sheriff was far past diplomacy i've come said gus norman about something that's partly my business and partly yours you're one of the thick heads that wants a new jail eh gus norman set his teeth and his bushy face was like a cartoon of the devil one of those child-book pictures i want a man in the jail not a new jail he said the sheriff snapped his cigarette across the room it struck the wall in a shower of fire that was dead before the ashes fluttered to the floor he leaned across his desk there's something doing you got something on somebody he whispered even gus norman was a little daunted by such ghoulish eagerness it's something you already know just drear the sheriff turned white go on he said faintly i think i got a line on him at this claney literally leaped to his feet norman have a drink no talk no drink and then you'll talk better but the rancher was methodical he wanted to show all his strength first he said i got twenty men who'll pack a gun in a posse that goes after jess drear get to the point man where's drear go easy sheriff go easy you ain't the first that's tried to hunt down drear with a public posse that everybody knows about you ain't the first and all the rest have failed why because every one of em worked in the open and drear has friends who let him know when the law is on his heels he's got a lot of friends he's got friends in this here town do you think i'm fool enough not to know that some day i'll get the hound that gave drear the watch-spring and i'll rope him to a tree but go on in an ecstasy of impatience he dashed himself back into his chair and thrust his nervous hands into his pockets you found a watch-spring asked the curious cattleman yes but go on my point is that what you need is a gang that'll work secret when we get drear spotted they'll slip out of town one by one and collect wherever you say i know that don't i but men who've got to be paid publicly have to be hired publicly how can i work a secret posse you don't have to work it i've worked it for you and the gang don't have to be hired they'll pay their way the sheriff stared what's more when you nail this gent sheriff we don't want none of the price that's on his head you get it all the sheriff was not mercenary exactly but this generosity made him gasp what do you and your men want i'll tell you we get the fun and there was such a collected cold malevolence in his voice that even sheriff claney was moved norman he said at length there's a lot more to you than i think i've seen before now we'll get our heads together and talk business not yet replied the cattleman he left the office and went to his horse he returned carrying a small canvas sack black with oil stains he tossed this on the desk and the desk shook under the impact that's dust sheriff they's about five thousand dollars in that sack by this time the sheriff was worked up to a high point of excitement he touched the sack gingerly snatched his fingers back as though they had been burned five thousand dollars he murmured 
and his eyes went from the sack to the stolid face of gus norman go on he ordered abruptly that money is yours to use to get dressed drear me and my men have raised it it didn't come easy nobody give us that coin for the askin we earned it and we dug in the money that we got with sweat to give it to the cause he squinted his eyes recalling the long deliberation at the meeting before the money had been raised i don't quite follow you murmured the sheriff now quite humble i don't just see why we need this much money if your boys will work without hire i'm coming to that slow and sure first our line on drear yes that's first you know on the day of the shootin of jud boone we tried to keep drear away from the saloon yes and you know that somehow he slipped through us yes the fact was sheriff that he was livin right there in the saloon all the time then carroll was in cahoots with him what a fool i've been not to think of that we all was fools said gus norman showing his yellow teeth at the thought but here's the point carroll kept him while he was in salt springs maybe carroll knows where he is now there ain't any doubt of it to my mind he travels free and easy up and down the ranges there must be a reason for it they's places where he makes his money outside of what he steals carroll's is one of em they're friends carroll knows where he is and all we've got to do is to make carroll talk i'll get him here and use some uh, little tricks i know said the sheriff ominously let me talk said norman he won't be an easy gent to persuade but there's a way sheriff i figured it out carroll has a price how do you know that his place makes a pile of money but he puts it back in the game can't keep away from the cards right lately somebody's taken a pile of money from him i know because he borrowed money from me he's near broke right now and i figured up that his price is just what you've got in that sack now sheriff i'd go and talk to him myself but he's a hard man i wouldn't have a chance to get talkin it'll be a pile different with you you'll have to listen you'll find out what you want to know and after you find it out you'll have me and my gang to work on the trail good-bye and without waiting for a word of reply he rose and left the office end of chapters thirty one and thirty two